Hi, I'm Rachel Smith and this is the Trying Again podcast. If you've joined me now, I recommend going back to the start, to episode one. To bring you up to date house, this episode might not make any sense. Trying Again is a personal podcast of passion as I explore this usually silent world and decide whether I want to try again after multiple miscarriages. The conversations in this episode will be frank. I was going through it and I was on Instagram and I, I just put in hashtag one in four, hashtag miscarriage. And then I just saw thousands of pages and, and it, it just opened up a whole new world. And they may be difficult, but they are needed. Although you might not have been very far along, that doesn't actually change how you feel about the pregnancy or the child that you thought you were going to have. I've spent some time researching this podcast. It was a journey of discovery for me personally. At times, I have to admit, I've felt lonely. And if you're in my shoes, you may feel alone too. And I get that. I felt like I was running on a hamster wheel, on empty. And whilst it was spinning around, someone was just poking me with a stick over and over. Researching for this podcast did help me focus. The more I researched, the more I felt that this was right. Difficult, painful, but the right thing to do. I found experts who educated me. I mean, this is an area of life I'd never known I needed to find answers for. I have read other stories, talked to Instagram and seen posts from people all in their own world of grief, but each still open to share. In my case, the stats are a bit bleak. Drilling down into the one in four, which is the estimate for pregnancy loss for women who have suffered a miscarriage, one in five if you only count those of us who've reported it or knew, there are one in 100 women who experience recurrent miscarriage, which is classed as three or more miscarriages in a row. I am that 1%. And according to the Tommy's website, in that 1% category, after each miscarriage, your risk of another increases. The cause is unknown in around half of cases of recurrent miscarriage. And if the cause is unknown, 6 out of 10 women who have 3 miscarriages will go on to have a baby. There are other stats from 2018 that say 2,060 babies are born alive and 515 babies were miscarried. 114 born preterm and 8 stillborn. Any baby loss at any stage of pregnancy is heartbreaking. But this did make me wonder about miscarriage specifically. Why are we not told about this before? In society, schools, our sex education, our families, why are we not better prepared? What is with the taboo? Miscarriage is surely as old as time, but I say miscarriage and you fall silent. Why? There's a huge community of solo souls wandering around in darkness, suffering, hoping for anything to make sense, and everyone seems okay about that. Almost because you can't see it, it therefore didn't happen or wasn't real. Well, to me, that feels odd. But... And it's a big but. What I found is there is a community for people like me and it's that community I'm going to talk about now and explore a little. Like Jenny Ag. Jenny is a health writer, journalist and blogger. Her blog, The Uterus Monologues, was shortlisted for Blogger of the Year at the Medical Journalists Association Annual Awards in 2019. Reading Jenny's story made me feel less lonely. I called Jenny during lockdown. She is at home. We turned on our video to say hi, but turned it off again. It's sometimes easier to chat about this when you don't have to look at someone. We started trying for a baby about, well, more than four years ago now, and took a little while to get pregnant the first time, but not, you know, not beyond the realms of possibility. I think it was about about seven 
months, something like that, seven, eight months, maybe a bit longer. And yeah, and that pregnancy ended in a miscarriage just before our 12 week scan. It was literally three days before the appointment or something. Um, and it, yeah, it just wasn't something I was prepared for. And I didn't, I kind of didn't realize how unprepared I was for it until it was sort of, I was in the middle of it, basically. I kind of thought, hang on, all the doctors are saying this is really common. Um, you know, it just, it just happens. One of those things, really common, nothing to worry about. No, no reason to think it will happen again or that you can't have a baby. I thought, well, hang on, how I'm like, I've never heard friends talking about it or, you know, I've had friends tell me their labor stories, but I've, I've never heard anyone tell me about this. I mean, I now know that those people I know have had miscarriages. Yeah, and that was really, that was very difficult to deal with because I just didn't really know, didn't know what to do with myself. And I don't think I was prepared for the sort of emotions that came with it. I mean, the kind of physical process is pretty horrible in itself, but the that sort of emotional fallout, I think because I obviously knew what a miscarriage was um, in the way I think lots of people do. You know, it's a word people know, what I don't think they no unless it happens to them is that actually it has that kind of grief impact that yeah although you might not have been very far along that doesn't actually change how you feel about the pregnancy or the child that you thought you were going to have and I just that it was never something that had been spelled out to me or that I'd thought about before so I started writing I'm a journalist um so I I wrote about that first miscarriage um, for the paper where I was working at the time and around that time I got pregnant again um, fairly soon after it was only a couple of months which was obviously very lucky and unfortunately that ended in another miscarriage at about eight weeks again um, was you know so what they call a a natural miscarriage started bleeding the sort of classic thing really and I think it was at that point that I started the blog but it was a sort of I kind of wrote a post in a bit of a haze, really, just, you know, on a WordPress site that I set up anonymously, didn't plan to share it with anybody. I mean, why I didn't just write it in a Word document and save it on my computer, I don't know. That maybe is something about being a journalist that makes you think you have to publish everything. It's in you, isn't it? It's just part of it. Mm. And I I wasn't brave enough to publish publicly. <laughs> so you took the next step, I think. Yeah, I mean, I it's funny looking back like trying to work out how it all sort of because it all happened in very small stages and then I think um I don't think I shared the kind of very first blog posts until slightly further on and even then it was only sort of with kind of you know a few people on my Instagram account which wasn't you know 50 friends who followed me on there kind of thing um and then gradually I think I just got a bit braver I around the time of the third miscarriage I think that was kind of the tipping point really because then it it really felt like this was something else like I think maybe it's because they give you that sort of medical boundary they say you know after three we'll investigate for possible causes and so then you think oh this might be something more serious or not that one or two miscarriages isn't serious but it it feels like it's taken more seriously I guess and I suppose there's that idea that oh this might not just be bad luck this might be there might be something going on. Does this mean we can't have a baby at all? Does this mean it's going to be really difficult? 
more difficult than it's already been. And so from there, I think that was when I put my name to the blog. It just put it out there slightly, you know, more widely. And I guess that meant everybody I knew knew. And what was that like? Um, you know what? It was, in a way, it was really, it felt like a bit of a weight had been lifted. Obviously, I think we've been very lucky in people's responses to it in that everybody's just been really kind and really supportive and wanted to tell me their own experiences or and that's really helpful I mean then you know you find out that there are all these people in your life I mean literally every um, area of my life so people I worked with my family my friends people I went to school with who lost contact with you know all, all that sort of stuff everybody and that's really powerful that feeling of oh this isn't this isn't just me and kind of seeing the proof of that rather than just the stats that they give you on a leaflet when you leave an appointment that sort of thing and yeah it just kind of grew from there really I don't think I've had any negative responses to it at all I mean I not that I necessarily anticipated them I guess because it was all you know it wasn't ever particularly well planned the, the blog thing um but I guess there is that fear of, you know, oh, my, you do wonder whether people just think, oh, God, shut up about it. <laughs> Stop going on about it. We get it kind of thing. Um, That's what's kind of took me so long to do the podcast, because I've still got the niggle, you know, the kind of if it's the right thing. Yeah, I mean, it's well, it's a really hard thing to talk about, isn't it? Talk yeah. about or write about. And I it makes you very vulnerable, I think, whether whether that's because there's still quite a lot that's not understood about it I think um I think it's getting a bit better I don't know whether that's just because I'm sort of tuned into people writing and talking about it now but I I do think there is a lot of misunderstanding around it and I that makes it um puts a lot of pressure on you if you are talking about it or writing about it because you you feel almost like you're um you've kind of got to make your case if that makes sense. No, it does, yeah. And you say that you've had three years of writing the blog. Is it your job? Uh, no, no. Um, the, it's very much a side project. So there, there's an overlap, and I've written a few pieces for newspapers and magazines, kind of personal pieces. And um, my work and the blog have kind of dovetailed, I guess. But I, I don't, you know, I don't make any money from the blog. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's very much something I do um because it yeah I don't know because it feels well a selfishly it helps me sometimes to kind of make sense of what's going on and that's been true throughout so that's been true right from the beginning you know when I was really kind of grief-stricken and sad and then you know going through testing and then being told there wasn't anything obvious that was causing a problem and then you know, I had a whole year last year where we didn't try. It was it was too, we'd had a fourth miscarriage and we're still being told, well, you know, just keep going, keep trying. And actually it was, um, that's quite a hard thing, I think, when nobody's giving you any sort of anything different to try. You're kind of stumbling around still, aren't you? Like no answers and... Well, I think because the to the doctors, I think they, I mean, they. I guess they, for, to them it means there probably isn't anything wrong but to you it becomes so hard to believe that yeah next time will just be different 
and they'll be fine that I think it's that that's quite hard it's that sort of feeling that there might be something wrong that they don't know how to diagnose yet and so you're pregnant now which is lovely I'm relatively far along actually so I mean I've, I've written about it a little bit on the blog how's that felt seeing your pregnancy kind of get to to where you are now it's very strange looking back I think I'm still kind of processing it all really I mean and obviously I kind of had this idea that if I got beyond 12 weeks I'd feel a lot more relaxed and that there's there's an element of that but I I definitely haven't completely relaxed if that makes sense Mm. but the first those first 12 weeks were really tough like the hardest of all I think in terms of like the mental load I think it's got harder each time like which isn't to say that it's easy that you know after one miscarriage at all like I think it's but it definitely builds you just expect to be bleeding every time you go to the loo and that sort of thing I still I still haven't really shaken that even now it was a lovely surprise to find out Jenny was expecting I'd reached out to her months ago before the bump I will be sharing more on Jenny's stories and other women who've gone full term later in this podcast Looking over Jenny's blog, I noticed her theme on Instagram. It's subtle and pretty for a dark, sad topic. If you go onto social media, you'll find so many feeds, especially Instagram feeds, full of quotes and photographs as people share their journey with the world. One caught my eye for its honesty and I reached out to see if I could get the story behind the page. This is how I met Nicola, who runs the Miscarriage Afterlife Instagram page. I called Nicola one evening during lockdown. If I remember right, it was when we had the mini heatwave. I've got a fan on next to me though, but I don't know if if that sounds windy. If it does, I'll move it. Good, because I am melting. So when you listen to this, picture me, 30 odd degrees outside, sitting in a room with the curtains and door closed in my duvet den with the barbecue happening next door. I feel sometimes a bit of an imposter because I post all these things, how I'm feeling and how people should talk. But then I'm not, I I, I mean, in my real life, I'm an open book. All my friends and family, they know what's happened to me and Dan. But, you know, you have all these friends on Facebook, you you know, you work with years ago or people you went to school with who don't speak to. They'd have no idea. And that's the kind of people I did want to know because I did. I wanted to smash the kind of taboo thing of it, but haven't quite got there yet. So I'm in your boat remaining on this. Are you happy sharing your story? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was really, really struggling because it came out of nowhere for us. Um, and I, I just didn't know what to do with all these emotions. And I just didn't know what was right, what was wrong, if it was natural, if it wasn't, if it was normal, if it wasn't. I had all these feelings kind of going around. And I don't write or anything like that, but I've got nobody in my life, no family, no friends, no colleagues that's ever been through any type of pregnancy or or baby loss so the only thing I had was Instagram or Google and I just thought if I just write everything down when it's happening when it's raw I can come back to this another day and I can look back and think okay yeah I wasn't on my own doing that so for me it was a bit of a diary to kind of reflect on and know that it happened because I think sometimes when you go through something like this you can it's quite easy to block it out and it's quite easy to kind of forget and maybe that's why it does go into such a taboo because a lot of people deal with it better not um not remembering and that's fine but for me I I couldn't deal with that that I struggled with 
the taboo of it and I struggled that there wasn't a lot of information out there so I just my first instinct was just to write things down and hopefully help other people really. Have you had people come in touch and how many people have reached out to you in the situation you were in when you were feeling lonely and feeling like there's nothing out there? So many on on the page I'm it's gaining around 100 followers a week which I know doesn't sound a lot to some people but to me, it's gone more than my personal Instagram, so I feel quite cool. Um, but yeah, every, every day I wake up to people just kind of saying, um, they'll send a picture from my grid and say this, have spoken to me. Other people, like um, I had someone message me yesterday and she said that she was really, really struggling. She didn't have anyone to talk to. The only light at the end of the tunnel was a stranger on this Instagram a lot of people grieve and cope differently some people are quiet and don't mention it and but I feel like that's normalized it's normal to be quiet and that's where I struggle because I can't and yeah I like to share and I that's why I struggle with and that's why I was googling and youtubing and, and searching for all these quotes just to, just to scram anything that could fit to how I was feeling and kind of just put it all in one place and I never looked back the only thing I regret is I didn't start that page sooner my biggest bugbear is it's common and then when I when I'm told it when I was pitching it to people and when I was talking through it with kind of editors and other journalists they were kind of oh yeah it's a really really important story but um it's really really common and I was like yeah and it's not spoke of (laughs) yeah it's just a statistic everyone knows it's common everyone knows the one in four but then if you said to that person who's telling you that okay so what, what what happens why does someone have a miscarriage or what do they feel like? They they wouldn't be able to answer you. No. They just know statistics. And that's where it's crazy. And I, I hated that. I hated it. It's common though. As if that's going to make me feel better. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> so I'm just like everybody else. Thank you. But it's still, still painful and horrible. And I'll, yeah. Were you aware that there was a community out there? I had no idea. I thought that miscarriage and baby loss was for people who spoke through pregnancies or drank or at pate 24-7 just you know didn't care about being pregnant I didn't realize that I had no knowledge on IVF all these women go through I had no idea there was recurrent miscarriage clinics I had absolutely no education no knowledge I was for the whole when this happened to me 26 years of my life totally naive absolutely and it was only when I was going through it and I was on Instagram and I, I just in hashtag one in four hashtag Mitch miscarriage and then I just saw thousands of pages and and it, it just opened up a whole new world that's what helped me a lot was relating and mm. because I think loss is just the most isolating experience I've ever been in in my life and just to know that you're not on your own because you know people say I'm here for you mine up here for you it's so passing and it's so casual it doesn't really mean a lot but when you speak to women or I spoke to men as well like you know got how they feel you're not alone and it, it does happen to a lot of people and I hate saying the statistic one in four and, and common but really reach out and, and connecting with people oh it, it was just a lifesaver for me it was a real lifeline I'm hoping to catch up with Nicola later in this podcast so watch this space for her story There are also national charities offering support for people building online communities through message boards and on social media. You may remember I joined Ruth Bend Atik one morning in episode one on this podcast. During that chat, we got onto this virtual community support. I talked to family and friends and I talked to Lee. I don't think I've even joined a group. I've joined a Facebook page and watched other people talking. 
Um, because I kind of like knowing that it's kind of normal, but I don't offer my own story until like now yep. I'll do it in a podcast. Which... And and that's absolutely fine. We know that people do that. Mm. I mean, we know the number of people who join our online forum and never ever post. No, that's me. And then maybe a year later we'll get an email saying, I've been a member of the forum for two years and 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 I can't tell you how much it's helped me. Just reading other stories makes me realise I'm not alone. Yeah. 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 And it, I think it does. I think it's that that's the bit that helps because some of it is a bit alien and strange and it's, it, it is really isolating most of the time it's me in a toilet with the closed room but um yeah no it is really helpful and it's really reassuring that it will go it even with all the restrictions of you know fundraising and all the rest of it that you feel like you, there is still that support there with the miscarriage association that's really yeah. a nice thought to think I, I've talked about the forum and I don't know whether you've seen it, but but there are there are various discussion boards within the forum. And there are two on trying again. Mm. One is trying again for people who've who've you know had a baby, or and one is trying again for people who who haven't. And people have strong feelings about who they want to talk to. It's like you know, I remember when I was first trying for a baby and, and a bit of an elderly mother, um, and not getting pregnant, and and then having to tell close friends that when we finally did conceive, because they were going through exactly the same thing, mm-hmm. and and I felt dreadful having to tell them that I'd succeeded, yeah. um, and it turned out that so had they, and our kids were born two days apart, Aww. but. But what was extraordinary about it was this feeling of, you know, you're you're breaking the rules. Yeah. It's going to be hurtful for someone else. There are also artists turning their craft into this area with illustrations and visualised graphics, like Christine McDonough from Infertility Illustrated. I like her images. They're honest, but they still show this subject in such a creative way. You know, I think it was right around when I had my third miscarriage that I was just, you know, like, you know, I was just tired and frustrated. And, and I think that was when I, I started to realize that there was like a bigger world of people talking about this out there. You know, before I would see people who would post on message boards there about infertility. So that was kind of all all I knew about it. But then, you know, like I said, around my third miscarriage, I I started like looking on, you know, platforms like Instagram and stuff. And that was, that was kind of the eye opening moment for me of like, oh, there's like a whole world of support out here outside of message boards, you know? I think when I first started fertility treatments, I was kind of naive thinking, okay, you just, you know, you do a round of this, maybe a couple rounds, and then you have success and it's great. Suddenly I would, see on a message board someone talking about you know doing it for the third time and that was kind of that scary moment of like oh my gosh this this could be a lot longer of a journey than I, than I planned for and it was quite a long one wasn't it for you are you happy to share how long it's taken so it, it took us a solid five years to find success but you know and I was I was always kind of of that like mindset of like I can just have one. If I can just have one, I'll be great and happy. But it it doesn't. I'm learning now that 
you know, even though we found success, like infertility doesn't leave you because, you know, I, I have friends who are having their second or third child or surprise they're pregnant. And there's sort of that like reminder still always in the back of my head that no, you can't, you can't get pregnant naturally. If you want to have another kid, you have to go do IVF again, you know? Hmm. You know, you you have your son, and that's lovely and really beautiful. But it has took five years, and that's not been an easy journey. And that's that's actually a quite a powerful story to share. Yeah, I just I'm always surprised. You know, sometimes when I like post or share something that I'm like, I gotta be the only one, or I'm, I must be the only one feeling like this. And then you see so many other people who are like, who completely, completely get it, and it, and it, it's nice to know that like you're not alone and feeling a certain feeling you know I thought like oh I'm so embarrassed I'm I've got to be the only one who has still held on to a positive pregnancy test and then you know you see all these other people out there who've also held on to their positive pregnancy test and you know it kind of makes you feel like there's nothing wrong with you that you're doing this you know everyone kind of grieves and goes through um, this process differently and it's nice that like that you're not alone that there's other people out there who understand and relate and and there's nothing wrong with it no and I think the good thing that about your illustrations that I've liked looking at them is that it is not something it's that you, you almost have a dark humor with it if you don't mind me saying it's it's actually quite some of it's quite funny some of it is really quite funny. Dark humor or, <laughs> or cynicism. <laughs> did you expect, did you want it to be funny? Had you drawn it knowing it's going to be quite humorous or is it just how you feel at the time when you're drawing them? Um, no, I think it's just how I like kind of perceive it at the time. And and usually I'm like, you know, well, there's like something funny about this. Or there's, there's like a little piece, like, only people who would get it, people who understand it might find it funny. You know, some people might look at it who aren't necessarily in it and think like, oh, that's really sad. But, you know, there's there's that certain kind of perspective when you're in it where you're like, I completely get this. And there's like, there's a, there, you, you, so because you understand it, you get that funny, humorous element of it. Like it's funny because it's true. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I, I, every, for the most part, everything I draw is an experience that like I may have had. But that said, like, you know, I now, now that I've gotten to know more people in this community or something, I'll, I'll borrow, you know, like, oh, that's, your experience is like really relatable you know like I I might like draw something that I think people would relate to that I know someone who's had an experience with um so but other I would say like that's that's pretty rare that I do that most of the time it's something that like I I can directly relate to What's been one of your favorite illustrations? Is there one that's leapt out to you or one that you really love? You know, you you mentioned that in your email to me. I I was looking through and I was like I can't pick a favorite. <laughs> I don't I don't think I have I don't think I have a particular favorite. I think if I could choose like a theme, I like I like when I'm able to be a bit more like I like when the pictures 
able to be a little more humorous than sad. You know, I, I like being able to show the funnier moments over the sad moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't, I don't think like I have a favorite. Um, you know, I like, I like the ones I did of like infertility being like you're on an island in a cave. And you're just tallying up all the people you know that are pregnant or have kids. You know, I like those. There's a lot of ones that I like. Finding this community of random people, all from different backgrounds, walks of life and countries, added to my curiosity of this entire subject. One thing we all seem to have in common, aside from our losses, is that we are all trying to do the same thing and raise awareness of this subject. It made me feel less lonely with my own navigation through the grief and acceptance of my losses. My only hope is that if you're going through it, this has helped you too. This episode was recorded by me in my spare room with a duvet for a sound barrier and a camp table for a desk. The song is Small Bump by Ed Sheeran. Huge thank yous to Jenny Ag from the Uterus Monologues, Ruth Bender Atik, Director of the Miscarriage Association, Nicola from Miscarriage Afterlife, and Christine McDonough from Infertility Illustrated. If you liked this episode, please share it so we can help to open up this community a little bit more. And remember to subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode. You can wrap your fingers round my thumb and hold